is that? We have a care ministry that deals with our first-timers and, and, and helps us to help them and be an encouragement and a blessing to them. Let them know we appreciate them being here. If there's any way we can help them, we sure want to do that. But we have an in-care ministry now, and what that is is ministry to our members. Say that with me. Say it again. Ministry to our members. As you grow larger, sometimes it's very easy uh, to get accustomed to coming to the same place in the building, and that is kind of like your territory, and that's the place that you uh, uh, ha- uh, you, you, you just kind of uh, gravitate to and don't, don't go nowhere else, but we are all in the same family. And uh, how many of y'all, be honest, in this row over here, in this section over here, how many of y'all in this section over here, that y'all don't know some people in that section over there? Which could be a blessing. I'm just kidding. I'm just... All right, all right, raise your hand. Some of y'all, y'all don't know somebody. Look over. You got to look at them. Let's see if you know. Is there anybody over there y'all don't know? All right. How many of y'all in this section don't know somebody in that section? All right. How many in that section don't know nobody in this section? See that? We got a bunch of people don't know nobody. How many of y'all over there? I ain't going to forget about y'all. How many of y'all don't know nobody? All right. All right. See there? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're trying to combat that and do everything we can to get to know each other. We are going to start next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, we are going to have our first fellowship meal uh, after the services on Sunday morning for, now don't get this, don't miss this part, for the, the letters, if your last name, if you are a church member, if you are a church member and your last name falls between A and D, so A, okay, now that we know our alphabet, amen. Now, uh, we want you to stay with us next Sunday after church. We're going to have a meal in the, in the fellowship area. We want you to come and we want you to meet the team. Uh, if you are, if you are in, the, in the house this morning and you are on the... Uh, uh, the, the is it A team? Is it A team? Brother Chad, what do we, is it A team or the first team? It's team one. Team one that takes care of that group. If you're on team one, would you stand? Anybody in, in team A? All right. They're not much, but they're all we got, y'all. Right? I'm just kidding. They are a great team. They're going to be hosting that, and uh, uh, they are here to help you and encourage you in that group. Uh, we're trying to do everything we can. I know a lot of people like small churches because it's homey. And, 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 and you get to know each other, and, and it's a whole lot easier to keep up. Now, say, we're trying to have the, the hominess and the largeness, amen? I don't know if that's good English, Brother, Brother O'Neill, but that, that'll work, amen? We're doing everything we can to minister to you. So after that, uh, team, the second group will be next Sunday. Then the third, I believe we have four teams. And am I correct? Am I correct? Brother, Brother Privet is four teams. Am I correct on that? We've got four teams. Four teams on that, and, and we've got everybody. Now, everybody's going to get to come. I mean, we're just going to, we, we're spacing it out. We're spacing it out so that we can have those, those groups uh, meet together, get to know one another, have some fellowship time with them, and then break it down as we see that. Does everybody understand? Say amen. amen. All right. Now, if you are a church member, if you are a church member and your name falls between then you're going to eat after church this coming Sunday. You're going to fellowship after church this coming Sunday. Now, later on, we'll announce next Sunday, we'll announce the following Sunday, and we'll keep doing this. And I'm telling you, we're going to do everything we can to minister to our church. How many of y'all are excited about that? Say amen. 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 All right. Amen. That's it. 
All right, now, if you have your Bibles, open to Isaiah 6. If you'll stand to your feet, we're going to read just a few verses this morning, and then we're going to preach the best we know how. Isaiah chapter number 6. Uh, make sure, Brother Chris, and say that again. Say that again during the announcements. That way we can have a double reminder of that situation. All right, Isaiah chapter, this vest has got to go. I feel it, I, I feel it. Amen. Isaiah 6, verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. Let's all say that. That just sounds so good. High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. It wasn't a locomotive. It's talking about his vesture, his outfit. Uh, in that day, in the oriental day, the ancient day, that, that listen, the, the longer the train, the longer the train, the more important the man. Amen. Well, the Bible said it filled the whole temple. That's pretty important. Say amen. amen. It says in verse number 2, Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. What that means is two of them, two of the wings covered his face, two of the wings covered his feet, and with two of them he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Man, we need to get that conviction back in the house of God. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of Listen, the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. I believe, I believe Isaiah was in the temple when he saw this vision. I believe that he was there uh, 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 worshiping in the temple and God gave him this vision. And the Bible says when the one on the throne spoke and moved, it moved the post. I'm talking about the very foundation of the building was rocked. It says in verse number 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know the message. Lord, you know the members. You know what we're dealing with, and I pray in Jesus' name. Let me step back out of this deal. Lord, I don't want to be involved. Sometimes I can be carnal, and sometimes, uh, Lord, I can get in the flesh, and I don't want to do that today. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth, and that's exactly what the people are praying today. Lord, they're praying for me right now that every word will be anointed and appointed and approved. God, I pray that everything I say today will be uh, come straight from the portals of glory. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you and give you all the glory and all the praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Church, say amen. It's very easy, it's very easy to get depressed in the ministry. It's very, that comes from a preacher's wife who pastored 25 years right there. It's very easy to get 
uh, pooch mouth and, and, and listen, uh, let, walk around with your bottom lip dragging the ground because of the ministry. It's very difficult because ministry has to do with people and people are crooked. Say amen. And I don't mean crooked by being stealing. I'm talking about we're all broke. We are all just that. We are all just people. We are all made out of the same dust, out of the same clay. We came from the same place. We are frail. We are fragile. We are, we, listen, we are prone to mistake on every hand. I need a witness. Listen, and dealing with that situation is very difficult sometimes. Uh, I, 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 I think that sometimes I said, Lord, why? Why did you call me to this? I, 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 well, there's a whole lot of other people that's better at this than me and, and more compassionate and care more than I do. Lord, why? Why do you put me in this deal? And God has a reason for everything he does. And, and sometimes when you get your eyes on the problem, sometimes you just can't fix things. That's the hardest thing for a pastor to get through his head. You just can't fix every problem. You can't fix every person. And you want to because God's put a pastor's heart in you and it's a heart of compassion and love and you want to fix everything but you can't jesus couldn't fix everybody he picked 12 and one of them was a devil i need a witness y'all don't get quiet now don't get quiet y'all stay with me you shouted about heaven no we don't shout right here amen sometimes it gets difficult sometimes we we get in a place where we get down and and and, and man i was reading i said lord uh we, we had prayer meeting and nobody showed up and 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 and, and we have 600 on sunday and 60 on wednesday what's the problem what's the problem and and i begin to pray and and i said lord we've got our biggest meeting of the year and i, I sure want it to be a good and I, lord i want to see people saved and and but 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 and god sat me down God sat me down and focused my attention on this particular chapter. Uh, Isaiah is going through the same situation. He is a young uh, prophet. He is a young man of God. And everything around him looks very dim. His hero king, his hero king, King Uzziah. Man, what a great king. He was one of the greatest kings that Israel had. But yet he fell because he was lifted up in pride and he died in leprosy. And here it is, his hero has fallen. The people have lost their minds. They're not acting right and doing right. And everything looks bad. Everything looks dark. The political arena is pitiful. Listen, the people are not doing what God had called them to do. And here he is right in the middle of it Supposed to be serving God God sat him down a minute And said son We need to put things in perspective When you look around It's very depressing But when you look up Things pick up Let's put things into perspective In my office in my And basically I was going to preach this I was going to preach this. Uh, there was an upward look. Then there was an inward look. He said, whoa, it's me. But then there was an outward look. And I, I said, Lord, that's good enough for me. Uh, uh, that sounds good. That would be a good revival uh, message to preach because, well, listen, this week we need to get a new glimpse of you and everything. And, and then we need to get a good glimpse of who we are. He said, whoa, it's me. That conviction, it was there. But then we need to get out here and look at what we're really here for. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to make sure we can all feel comfortable in here. We are here to be a light to this old dark world we are here to be salt to this earth we're here to reach the lost at any cost because any day now jesus is coming back and we are here to rescue this world from a lost and dying situation 
Say amen. amen. But God said, nope, nope. We got to get things back in perspective so we can see what we are supposed to be. Say amen. amen. Number one, this is the first thing God told me. Number one, son, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know, I, 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 I know sometimes you get discouraged. I know sometimes you want to quit. But here's the deal. you got to remember, number one, you must remember the time in which we suffer. The time in which we suffer. I went back. I went back to uh, uh, chapter number 1 of Isaiah and read 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 leading up to this particular chapter. And my goodness, the parallels between Isaiah's day and the day we're living in now was incredible. The time that we suffer. What about this time? It's a time, hey, write this down, of dangerous prosperity. Dangerous prosperity. You say, why in the world? I didn't think prosperity could be dangerous. You have no idea how dangerous prosperity can be. It's amazing how we want to pray when our child is sick and got a fever. It's amazing how we want to get down and, and beseech the Lord and get a hold of glory when there is a major problem, a major disaster. It's amazing how fast we want to go to the church house when planes are flying into towers. It's amazing when things are not going right, when the financial situation is looking bleak. It's amazing how fast we'll find God. And what's even more amazing is how fast we forget Him when things are going okay. Listen, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 10, He says He's speaking to the nation of Israel as they are going into the promised land, the place that God has promised them. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which He hath given thee. Now watch what He says, verse 11. Beware, say that with me that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments in His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwell therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks are multiplied and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord Thy God. Let me read Revelation chapter 13 to apply it to our day. Revelation chapter 3. You say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's back there in the old stuff. But let me tell you, the prev- listen, the prevailing atmosphere that we are living in today, the attitude that we are serving in, the time that we're in, we are in the Laodicean church age. Revelation chapter number 3. God says, I know thy works. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that I were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest, I, now watch this, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Preacher, what are you saying? That same prevailing attitude that we're living in today. Why are people not in? Why are they not out? Why are they not cold? And why are they not hot? They're right here in the middle. They got just enough religion to make them sorry. They got just enough to say, I went. They got just enough to say, I'm filling the quota. But they're not in a place 
Why? Because they got too much. There's dangerous prosperity because everything is going fine. Everything is going well. Everything is good in their life. But I'm here to tell you, if you're a child of God, if you're blood-bought, born again, and you are in that lukewarm state, I'm here to tell you, God will not allow you to stay there. God will judge you. God will come. He will bring whatever it takes. You say, well, God takes something away. He'll take away your family. He'll take away your finances. He'll take away your fitness. Why? He wants you in a relationship with Him. He doesn't want you cold. He don't want you. Listen, in a lukewarm state, He wants you to be on fire for Him. And He'll put you in a place where you got to come find Him. I don't know how many people. I don't know how many people have cried on my shoulder. I don't know how many people I've counseled and prayed and begged God and Oh, God, fix this situation. And we begged God and begged God. And God moved on their behalf. God touched them and they were on fire for God doing everything there was to do in the church until God blessed them. And when God blessed them, they didn't need Him anymore. And here we are quitting everything there was, we was doing before. We're not on fire. We, we miss and we hit and a miss, hit and a miss. Before, when you were in the middle of that difficulty, when you were in the middle of that valley, you couldn't have been pried away from here with a bunch of mules. What's happened is there's dangerous prosperity. Now, I know you can get mad if you want to, but listen, you're, you're not going to, why are you going to come if you don't want to change? I know the social Christians this morning ain't going to like nothing I got to say, but I'm not scolding you. I'm warning you. I am sent from God. I'm telling you, God is sick of it. He's tired of it. Oh, God wouldn't be sick of it. Then why would he spew you out of his mouth? The only time I spew is when I'm sick. And I'm here to tell you, God is sick of this generation. Playing church, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Looking good on Sunday and living like hell on Monday. God is tired of it. Listen, dangerous prosperity. Abraham Lincoln, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers and wealth and power. No other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success. Now watch this. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. When we get too prosperous, listen, when we get too prosperous, when things go to getting too good, we get to, now let me say this, we are all like sheep have gone astray. I can tell you, I can tell you how many times I begged God with everything I had that God would pay the mortgage. I remember, uh, Miss Barry, how many times you shared with me what the offering was. And the offering was here, and the bills was here. Now, I promise you this, me and the Lord was on a first-name basis. 
It's very easy when, when things are fine, when the bills are paid, when everything is going like it should, that we ease up because we think and we get to that place that we don't need. You say, oh, but we don't really think that. Oh, but we do because we won't talk to them no more. Dangerous prosperity. Dangerous prosperity. You say, why are you saying all that? Hey, this gas may go to $6 a gallon. Don't talk like that. I don't want to talk like that, but I'm here to tell you. This nation was founded on the principles of God's Word. In God we trust. I know it's going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm here to tell you this nation was supernaturally put here by God. I believe that with all my heart, and God ain't going to let it fly. Anywhere His people are, God's judgment will come if they turn their backs on Him. He said, I will come. I will shut up heaven. I will send locusts to devour the land. I will pull you back to me. I, 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 thought, about a, I thought about a story I read as a preacher. He begged and prayed with this man. He begged and prayed with this man that God would bless him financially so he could start tithing. The man was in bad financial shape and, and God began to move in that situation and bless this man. His business grew and grew and grew and grew. And, and then the man came to the preacher and said, Look, now, preacher, I'm making way too much money to be able to tithe this much. Ten percent of what I'm making now, it's just, it's just, well, there ain't no way I can give that amount. He said, all right, let's pray about this thing. They got down at the altar and said, Oh, God, send him back to $5 an hour so he can afford to tithe again. The man said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, don't, don't pray that, don't pray that. You say, oh, that's just funny. No, it ain't, because God will do that. If a pony's keeping you away from him, God will take the pony. Richard, what are you saying? We need to keep in perspective the time we live in. The time we're living in is Laodicean. It's doing it if it's convenient. We had 600 Sunday. People filling their quota. Now, I, I, I'm not going to jump on all that, and, but I'm just telling you, there is, no, there is no attendance sheet in heaven. Do y'all understand? There is no attendance sheet in heaven where you're getting checked off if you make it. And, and, and I know I, I, I may sound like I've got an a, 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 a axe to grind this morning, but I don't, I promise you, because I want to be nice and sweet and, and, and kind and everything. I want to be exciting. Lord, it's our revival, but I'm here to tell you, what is revival? What is a big crowd if nobody changes? We can get, we can get a soccer game and fill a stadium. We can have a rock concert and fill this building. But if lives are not being changed, we're wasting our time. I want to be different. I want to be like Christ. I want whatever, I, listen, whatever it takes for God to get me to what Christ wants me to be. Boy, that's what the attitude we need to have. Oh, but preacher, if we're in the Laodicean church age, I, that's, just, that's just prevailing. But do you realize we can be a Philadelphia church in the Laodicean church age? The Bible says he standeth at the door and knocks. Hallelujah. I'm glad, even though the door is shut, even though he may be on the outside in this particular time that we're living in, I'm glad the Bible says, if any man will hear my voice, listen, and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. I'm glad we can have a church right in the middle of darkness, right in the middle of a lukewarm atmosphere, and we could be on fire for God. All we got to do is hear for his voice. 
time that we're living in. It's a time of dangerous prosperity. It's a time, listen, of deceptive participation. If you'll go read in chapter number 1, don't do it right now, we'll save time, but chapter number 1, it says, why are you coming with all these sacrifices? He said, these vain oblations, why are you? In other words, they were all playing church. They come, they had their suits on. They come and they gave their offering. They come and they let everybody see them in the house of God. He said, but you're coming and you're leaving the same way. You're coming and you're being a hearer of the word, but not a doer also. Richard, what are you saying? Let me see if I can do this without seem, seeming mean. Because I'm not. I'm adorable. I promise. I'm not mean. If you're coming and leaving the same way, why are you coming? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I love fishing. I love fishing. I was fishing the other day, and there was another church member in a boat that was close to me. Uh, Brother Privet was his name. Brother Privet wasn't catching none, and I pulled one in about that big. Now, he's going to deny it because he didn't catch nothing. I mean, Roland Martin ain't never done it no good is what I did that day right there. I love fishing. I'm telling you, I enjoy it. I like it. I love coon hunting. I love I, I love playing golf. I'm telling you, I love playing golf. I, I just I used to play all the time. I don't get to play as much as I used to, but I love playing that. But the point I'm trying to make is, uh, with everything that's out there, why are we coming if we're wasting our time? Now, here's what some of you are going to think. Well, that's right. I could be doing that. Now, that ain't that ain't why I'm saying what I'm saying. I want everybody to get that clear. I want you to keep coming. But I don't want you to waste your time. It's kind of like the college professor that's standing there and seeing these young people that's paying, their parents are paying good money, and they're just, does that make sense? Let's don't come if we're not, let me say, let's do come, but change our attitude about it when we get here, amen? Well, I got to word this right, Amen. Let's come and get something. Let's come and receive something that's going to help us. Let's don't just come and go through the motions. Deceptive participation. Many people are doing that. But then number two, write this down. Number one, when we keep things in perspective, you say, where did you get all that? Because the Bible says in the year King Uzziah died. That was the time that we suffered. It was a difficult time. But then number two, in order to keep things in perspective, we must not only see the time that we suffer, but we must remember the throne that we serve. Put your seatbelts on. This is going to get good. The Bible says, In the year King Uzziah died, that's the time, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, and each one of them had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Now listen to the preaching going on in heaven. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah was depressed. Isaiah was discouraged. Isaiah was looking at the issues, and he was looking at the people. He was looking at the problems, and, 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 and then, then all of a sudden, he sees reality. He sees the throne of God in heaven. He sees the Lord on the throne, high and lifted up. You say, preacher, what about this throne? Do we need to remember? Write this down. Hey, if you're taking notes, write this down. Give me a, uh, Brother Chris. Remember the position to regard. Where is this throne? It's high and lifted up. What does that mean? It is first in priority. There may be thrones in Washington. There may be thrones in Moscow. There may be thrones in these other countries. But I guarantee you, none of them are where this throne is. His throne is above and beyond. His throne is above every kingdom, every principality, and every power. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Why do we need to know that? Because he needs to be priority in our lives. He needs to be the primary thing in our lives. When the nation of Israel, when they were gathered there in the tabernacle, in the wilderness, they had a courtyard. And he said, you set up that tabernacle and you put all the, listen, all of the tribes of Israel around that tabernacle. Why? Because the tabernacle was supposed to be the central theme in their life. It was the number one thing. It was the center of everything. But do you know what we do today? We give the Lord time when we have it. When it's convenient for us, then we'll slide him into our schedule. Now, I'm not against, I'm not against, uh, 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 and I, I don't want y'all to think this, because we may have to do it one day, I hope we don't never have to, but we may have to do early services and that type of thing. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against them for if it's to help you get more people in, but if it's just to make it convenient so somebody can go to the lake, I got real problems with that. I got real problems with trying to squeeze God into our schedule. Trying to squeeze some... I tell you what, it ought not be that way. It ought to be God first. And if we have time for anything else, then we'll squeeze that in. He is high and lifted up. He's the God of all glory. He gave you life. He formed you and made you and give you everything there is. Shouldn't he be primary? The problem is we don't have things in perspective. We don't have things in priority. We don't have him first place in our life. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What we're doing, we're just putting God in a convenient place. Well, if I got time, I'll try to. I'll try to. Aren't you glad when you pray, when you're about to go into surgery, God don't look at you and say, well, if I got time, I'll get back with you. Listen, we need to regard his position. Then B, we need to respect his purity. Now, I have a real pet peeve right here. It seems like I've had a bunch today, but it's not, I promise. But I have a real pet peeve with dumbing down everything in the church today. It really bothers me. It really bothers me in an attempt to attract people, it's like they take the awe and the reverence and the fear of God and the respect for holiness out in order to attract somebody. 
Well, we don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Well, I don't know about you, honey, but I'm not going to change unless I feel uncomfortable. One of the things that made me want to get right is because when I came to the house of God and the man of God preached the word of God and the spirit of God got to moving in my heart, son, I got to fidgeting like my pants was on fire. I was not comfortable. That's what made me want to get right. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not against coffee shops. I'm not against all that kind of thing. Everything has its place. Everything does. But I'm here to tell you, when you start going into the house of God like it's Walmart or like it's a community center and the reverence and the respect for the holiness of God is left out, you're going to lose the power of God. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. The Bible says... The Bible says we see such reverence and respect. We see such reverence and respect with the attendants that are in heaven. They would not even look upon him. They had wings that would cover their face representing the humility and the reverence and respect that they showed being in the presence of God. That's the problem with most of our young people today. They don't respect authority. They don't respect what's there because the parents have not respected the authority and the presence of God in the church. I need a witness. Listen, we need to get back to reverencing and respecting the house of God. We don't need to run around and play like a bunch of monkeys in a circus. This is God's house. It is a place of honor and respect. It's the royal place of the king. This is the place that God Almighty spoke the world into existence. This is the place that he resides. And we need to treat it with reverence and respect. They covered their face. They covered their face in respect. Then they cried out, holy, 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 holy. Then in Revelation chapter number uh, chapter number 4, you see four beasts around the throne crying, uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They cried out seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every minute of the day, how holy and how pure he is. Let's not take that away. Let's not take that away. Oh, we need to teach our kids. Do you know how many times in the book of Proverbs it talks about the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know why we can't teach nobody nothing no more? Because they don't fear God anymore. There was a day. I remember an old preacher. I was a little old bitty. I was a little old bitty fella. Sitting on the front row. We sit right here. I sit there. My brother sit there. And my mama sit there. And I'm for that. Because if I leaned my head back and even thought that I was going to take a nap, she'd thump me on the back of my head so hard. It'd be child abuse today. Dad was sitting up on that platform. And if we ever got stupid enough to cut up in the house of God, we didn't have crayons. We didn't have coloring books. We didn't have nothing. We had the fear of God and my daddy. Now, I know, I know, I know. Oh, it can't be done today. No, you, you got to make it happen today. Amen. You got to take the board of education and put it on the seat of knowledge and get a great education. Because my dad would look down off that platform and he'd look at us. And if me and Joe, and it's usually Joe, he's always getting me in trouble. I was the good one. Amen. And dad would look down at us and it didn't take, he didn't have to get up. All he had to do was give it a look. 
And it's our life's over. It's over, son. I need a witness. But do you know what? We've both respected and reverenced that. I can't come in this building without taking my hat off. I don't care if there's a service or not. It don't matter to me. And I'm not saying you have to. I'm not, I'm not saying that if we're not in church. That's not, but I can't help it. It's just a thing that I have because I know this is where we come to meet with God. This is a special place. This is a reverent. Listen, this is a place where we come to meet with God. And we've taken all that away in an effort to attract a crowd. But I've got to ask you, if you're attracting the crowd and not changing the crowd, what good have we done? Listen, this throne of purity, we are to respect. That, that, I heard that preacher preaching. He said there was a time he was working on the, on the church, in his old country church. A wagon came down the road with a bunch of kids in it. An old man, i tell you how old it was. He was running, he was, he was running that wagon, that, that, those mules pulling that wagon. When he got close to that church, he took his hat off and pop, 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 them kicked. Be, be quiet. He took his hat off. To pass the church on. And then put his hat back on after. What was that? That was reverence. I went to church one morning. We, we lived in a parsonage beside the church. And, and Dad, I went to the water fountain. We'd go early. Dad would get things going, air conditioners on, all that kind of stuff. And, and I went to the water fountain, tried to get there. There was no water. Dad, the water fountain ain't working. So we'll go around there and see if the pump kicked off. I went around there, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not sharp as a knife in the drawer, but I'm smarter than your average bear, amen. And I, I, I said, something don't look right about this situation. So I went back there. I said, Dad, there ain't no pump around there. He said, boy, get back around there. That's the way he was. He didn't trust me. <laughs> I went back around there and looked again. Ain't no pump there. I went back in the, he said, boy, now I know you said this. As a parent, if I go around there. How many of y'all said that? Say the truth. If I go around there, the whole time he's walking around, oh, God, don't let there be no pump there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, don't let me have been blind and lose my life here on Sunday morning. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. He goes around there, and there ain't no pump. Somebody took a saw and sawed it, and I said, thank you, God, for letting that pump be stolen. <laughs> Amen. Man. There may have been a pump there, and God let it disappear. Amen. Just save me. Somebody come up and cut the wire, took an axe and hit the wall and cut the wire and just stole the pump. You say, preacher, what am I saying? There's no fear of God anymore. Dad, out of his own testimony, he told me one time when he was a hellion, used to be that just didn't know God, didn't care about God, went in that, listen, went in the church all day, was having revival, he was going to steal gas. See, it was bad then too, amen. He was going to steal gas, ram that hook. I'm telling on my dad an awful lot today. I don't know what that's about. But, but run that, that hose down in there. He said he went to put his mouth that to siphon that gas out there, and he said it just gripped him so bad. And you know what? He was lost and still feared God more than most Christians do today. Man. You know what will bring power back? That's what we need this week. The problems you are facing, they're not going to be fixed with man's remedy. The people you're wanting to see saved, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen with our own little deal. We kind of stand before this deal like the disciples did. Lord, how did you do it? He said, this kind comes from prayer and fasting. Preacher, what are you saying? If we're going to have the power of God back in this place, 
like it needs. You say, but it's, it's here. But it could be here in a whole lot grander fashion. We've got to get back to looking at that throne. Reverence and respect. Holy. Holy, holy. Then last of all, we'll do the other two tonight. Brother Barnes, we'll do point three and four tonight, all right? Listen, we need to remember the throne we serve, the position to regard as high and lifted up. The Bible says the purity to respect is holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Then I want you to see the power to rely on. Say, when that voice, this is cool. When that voice, when it thundered, he said, man, the whole foundation of the temple shook. What's that got to do with me? Don't you want that on your side? How many of y'all, how many of y'all had, you raised your hand a while ago, you had problems, had needs, had a situation in your life you need God to take care of. Now, do you want a God that has a little squeaky voice? Hey, y'all. Now, I don't want nobody on my side sounding like that. Say Amen. How many of y'all know Mike Tyson's voice does not go with him? Say amen. I don't know why I thought that just now, but it just don't. Amen. That's ludicrous. Amen. Man, when I wanted somebody on my side, I want them to sound like John Wayne. Pilgrim. Aaron, is that not true? Tough. I didn't want, hey. Now, I know y'all laughing. Johnny, you laughing, but you know I'm telling the truth. If you, want, if you was in a fight, if you was in a fight, come on, tell the truth. Would you want John Wayne or Pee Wee Herman? Hey. I'm glad some of y'all are awake this morning. It took Pee Wee Herman to get a response out of some of these people. Do you see the mess that we are in? Amen. The Bible said when his voice boomed. Can you imagine being in this church having a worship service and God gets so excited the whole foundation should? I ain't saying it's going to happen. But when Paul and them did it, they had a jailhouse rock. It was way for Elvis, say amen. They got to praising God and praying about midnight. Son, they had an earthquake. God got so excited about them having faith in Him and rocked the whole house. Listen, when we face what we face today, we need to know that there's power in that throne. God can do anything. Isaiah is depressed. Isaiah is saying, this is... What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Then all of a sudden, God lets him see the throne. And I don't care what happens in Washington. God is still on the throne. But you don't know my situation. I know a God who can. Well, mine's just gone. It's just too late. It's gone too far. That's what Mary and Martha thought. Martha even said to the point, he's, he's going to stink. One of them said it, Mary and Martha won. I think Martha said one of them did. But you know what he said? Just move the stone out the way. You know what the stone represents, Brother Lawrence? Unbelief. How many of y'all have somebody you want to see saved this week? 
You know what we need to do? We need to move the stone of unbelief out of the way and just turn around and watch God resurrect the dead. Church, say amen. Lord Jesus, help us today. Help us to get things in perspective. I need to do it in my own life. God, I don't need, I don't need to be a casual Christian. Lord, I don't need just to serve you when things are going right. I don't need, Lord, just to be close to you and prayed up and doing the best I can when things are going right because things can go wrong real fast. And Lord, I know you have ways of getting our attention. Lord, I know that you have ways.